Wake Up with Patty Catter. I love the show. I never miss an episode. It's the best. I turn it on and turn it up. You're listening to and watching Wake Up with Patty Catter, and I am your host, Patty Catter. Today, I have a very special guest on the show, an amazing consultant and a business mentor, as well as a friend, Eric. <laughs> Eric. Yay, <laughs> Eric. Nice. Good job, Patty. Yes. <laughs> it's a tough one to pronounce. I made the mistake and I knew how to pronounce it before the show. And then I just glanced at it and I'm like, no, I had, it's like stage fright. <laughs> It's all Eric, good. thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Patty. How are yeah, you? I'm really great. We met in the craziest way, you guys. So I have a friend here where I live in the local area here in Florida, and he met Eric or Eric met him. And um, this guy, Kevin, who's our family friend, gave Eric my contact information And at first I'm like, who is this person? (laughs) So I definitely, I researched the heck out of them and I was amazed at what I found. So very, very impressive, Eric. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. I was walking by, there was, it was like a chamber of commerce event and it was all outside. I was walking by and, you know, I'm a prior service Marine. Kevin's a prior service Marine and he had a Marine Corps kind of Eagle Globe and anchor on his jacket. And he's at the bar. And so I spot him from like, I don't know, 50 feet away, walk right to him. And I'm like, of course, you're going to find a Marine at a bar. Where else are you going to find a Marine? <laughs> and it was like, I don't know, maybe a week before the Marine Corps birthday. And then the drinks started flowing and I told him what I did. And he's like, oh, do you know Patty? I'm like, no. And here we are. So that day I reached out to you and said, hey, Patty, I know you don't know me, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm it was kind of funny because he's like, we can meet in a public place if you want. <laughs> hey, I'm like, listen, okay. some guy reaching out to a woman asking for a meeting these days, you know, look, my if a dude reached out to my wife, I would want them to meet in a public place, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I try to be respectful in that sense. I'm pretty feisty though. You met me in person. I could take you on. <laughs> I, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a little scared of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Considering you're like 20 feet taller than me. <laughs> I'll take you out at your knees. <laughs> it's not the size, right? That's what I've been told. That's what I've been told. <laughs> uh, so let, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and where you grew up, because you have a really unique story that is very touching, actually. Oh, thank you so much. You know, when you're, when you're going through your life, you just, it's just your life. It doesn't, I think everybody's story is interesting. Like every listener has an interesting story, but I really appreciate the opportunity uh, to shed a light on some of my past. I grew up in Russia, communist time. Um, I was born in 1980. And so that's before the walls came down and we were Jewish. It wasn't a really good place for Jews to live in. And so with the awesome organizations around the world, um, we got like a refugee status and got out of there. I was only nine. So my parents did all that scary work to get out of that country. And we didn't know whether we were going to end up in Israel or the United States. And luckily we ended up here, but the journey was, you know, most immigrants back then, they had to go through an immigration process, um, where you lived in Austria for six months. Then you live in Italy for about six to six months to eight months. 
And then they kind of tell you, yes, you've been accepted into the United States or Israel, or I don't know what what, what the other options are, but we ended up here. Well, we actually ended up in Baltimore, Maryland, and all of my aunts, uncles, cousins ended up in Israel. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So now we're globally kind of spread out. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I think you know, living here is, is like winning the lottery, especially if you haven't lived in this, if you, especially if you've never lived in another country before, um, it, it's tough to appreciate how great America is, but for those who have lived somewhere else and now live here, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So what was it like as a child coming over here? Because at nine years old, I would think that would be pretty terrifying. Yeah. Um, looking back at it, leaving Russia was, probably like a dream come true. So the way America is painted, I remember in my young mind, I heard people say things like the streets are paved paved with gold. Mm -hmm. And I would think like when you walk down the street, it's a gold street and there's just money everywhere and everybody's rich and free. And like, these are the visions I had during the immigration press. I'm like, I can't wait to get to America. There's money everywhere. I'm just going to find coins. And, you know, I would start, once we got to Austria, we got to see cartoons like, um, who was it? Uncle Scrooge with the three little ducks, ducktails, you know, oh, yeah. And you remember those? And he was diving into his safe of like gold <laughs> coins. And me, I was at eight years old. I thought that's how Americans live. Like you just go into your safe and you dive into your safe of gold <laughs> coins. I do it every day. <laughs> you do it every day. That's right. And, and now um, you do too. Yeah. You know, so I, yes, looking back at it now, I could see why, how it would seem like it's terrifying, but when you have a kind of a a vision that you're going towards, it's not that scary when the vision is bright and beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't terrifying for me as a nine-year-old because I figured for my parents, I'm sure it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you miss anything about when you were living in Russia? No. A lot of people don't understand um, the communism aspect of things that how, how it was in Russia. Could you kind of just touch on that? Because we have a lot of listeners who I think need to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I was little, so you're getting this from a nine-year-old's from a memory of a nine-year-old, eight-year-old and younger, but we had tanks on every street because there was a kind of a territorial conflict going on between Armenians and Azeris. That's where I'm, that's the region I'm from. And living under communist regime, you had, it didn't matter if you were a doctor or if you were a bus driver for the, you know, the public bus system, you got paid the same, you know, everybody's equal. So when everybody's equal, Nobody really needs to work hard or work um, or want to work hard because no matter how hard you work, you're going to get the same amount. The government gave you vouchers. Government controlled how much food was going to be released to people, and everything was done underground, barter style. So, like my wife's grandfather, I was talking to him before he passed away, and he was lucky enough to be in charge of the meat plant, like wherever they produced meat and got it out to the stores. He was the guy in charge. So when he had meat, people, he got the best clothes because people who got the clothes first, they wanted meat, right? So they would trade. And it was very dangerous. If the government found out, you'd go to jail. But for regular people, you got vouchers. And this is how much milk, food, potatoes, whatever you can have per month. 
here's your stipend for your rent. You can own property. You can own a house. The government owned everything. So you just lived in government stuff. Wow. Did you, how do you pay for that if you live in a government house or is it just? Yeah. Well, maybe they didn't pay for it. Maybe it was just like they got it. The government Mm -hmm. kind of issued it to you. And then the the stipend was, uh, you know, your kind of monthly allowance that the government paid you to go buy food and everything else. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I don't think I've ever asked if they actually paid for rent or how that worked, but, mm-hmm. you know, everybody lived. Yeah. And those who think that's a great idea, not a good idea. <laughs> I could tell not you a good idea. not a good idea. <laughs> no, especially, you know, especially if you're motivated and if you know that there's more for your life, that is, that's just terrible. It's like, imagine being on a team whether it's at work or in a sports team where you're the hardest worker and because nobody else is working hard, you can never win. You can't win. And so, because you know, you're not going to win because no matter how many goals you're going to score, your goalie is not blocking the balls. Your defense isn't coming out there to give a hundred percent. You're going to lose the game. How long will it take you before you lose motivation and stop working hard? Mm-hmm. And that from my kind of experience that's what i see communism and socialism do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um now because of your experiences you well you let's go to this other part i'm gonna bump, bump back for a second here i'm stuttering um but so you were we went from your nine-year-old story to let's go to high school and then you ended up deciding to join the marines as you had stated at the beginning mm-hmm. of the show how did that all transform I wish I could give you a heroic story, Patty. It was, it was like 1997. I was 17 years old, junior in high school. And I knew college wasn't for me. I was knucklehead in high school. Like I, I probably was suspended more times than I, more time than I spent in school or in detention. Not, you know, just a knucklehead. My mom, my mom just worked really hard, not much parent supervision. So I, I knew college wasn't for me. And so I saw an army commercial, nobody in my family, you know, my kids, they're first generation Americans. So I knew nothing about the military in the U.S. So I went to the recruiter's office and there was four, you know, all the branches were there. We didn't have Space Force back then. <laughs> and I go into the army guy's office and he looked like Peter Griffith from Family Guy, like just short, out of shape. His shirt was untucked. And I was, and he had a mustache with like a crumb in it. I vividly remember him. And I'm like, this can't be, I, I don't want to look like that guy. Like, I don't know why I was so superficial at 17, but I knew that that is not what I wanted. And no offense to all the, no offense to the army guys. I know a lot of soldiers who are probably in way better shape than Marines. And, uh, but, but just at 17, that recruiter, particularly not, this doesn't represent the army, but he did in my mind at 17. That's what he looked like. Um, Navy wasn't in there. Air Force, I think, was his twin brother. And so I'm like, okay, uh, is this like a is this a rated G show or can you say you can say whatever you want on my show? Say whatever I want. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking now. I'm kind of depressed. Like I didn't even see the Marines. I'm literally walking out of the door and out of a corner in the building. I hear, "What are you two chicken shit to come in here?" And I'm like, okay, so I, I go down this little hallway. It was the smallest office, <laughs> peek in, and this guy's sitting there. He looked like Johnny Bravo. 
and he had this big kind of wooden name name plaque, if you would, and it said um, Sergeant Patrick Animal in quotes Griffith, and he's sitting there, and his the uniform is called Charlie's. Those are the short sleeve green shirts the Marines wear with ribbons, and his muscles are like ripping out of the shirt. Like his biceps were so huge. I had like a man crush on this guy. So this was Saturday morning. Me and him sat down. He's showing me pictures of him and his buddies holding like machine guns on a beach, sitting on tanks. I'm like, this guy's awesome. This is what I want to do. I love it. So I left Saturday. Monday, he came to my school. And every girl I had a crush on couldn't stop talking about him for a week. And that solidified me going into and joining the Marines. <laughs> so <laughs> I wish I could tell you a better patriotic story, but that is the superficial, honest to God truth, why I joined the Marine Corps. And I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know what jobs existed. I didn't know how to, the, you can negotiate any contracts. I'm like, yeah, where do I sign? <laughs> when can I go? You know? Wow. So how many years were you in? I was in eight years. Okay. All right. And, um, what about, what is something that you learned from the military? I think the military taught me brotherhood and it taught me to care for your guy or woman next to you more than you care for yourself, care for their life more than you care for your own and know that there are 90 others in that platoon who are caring about yours more than you are. Right. Um, teamwork. It taught me how to improvise under stress, how to pivot when plans, which, which plans never go our way. Right. Like, so, mm -hmm. so you have a plan and then you actually take your first step forward and your plan falls apart because something happens that's outside of your circumstances. So pivoting in stressful situations, teamwork, um, handling stress, you know, just being an 18 year old kid in Marine Corps boot camp with, with three drill instructors in your face, spitting in your eyeballs, and you can't even move, and they're screaming at the top of their lungs. Not to even mention getting into the fleet and going into combat situations and things like that. Just handling that stress builds a certain type of character that you can use for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And um, what would you say? Up to this point, what is one obstacle that you've had in your life and how did you overcome that obstacle? Up to this point? Up to this so point. So I'm mm -hmm. so I'm uh I'm like the most positive guy. I don't look at obstacles as obstacles. I don't even think anything's a big deal. Like I just happy go lucky. Maybe it's just a stupid way to be, but nothing is an obstacle. Like there's nothing we can't overcome. Mm -hmm. Well, about four years ago. I woke up and I could barely move. Like my back is killing me. I can't move. And I went to the emergency room. And for me to go to the emergency room, it had to be really painful. So um, um, they took x-rays of my back and the doctor comes in. He's like, you know what? Your back seems fine. Your heart looks really enlarged. And I'm like, okay. He's like, we need to run more tests. So there was like literally six months of tests to determine that I was born with three defects in my heart. So nobody has ever seen this in a military person because that would disqualify you from joining the military. No one's ever seen that in a 37 year old guy who ran five miles the day before and pretty healthy dude. Um, 
because usually in in the in America, when babies are born, they catch it, and you see babies having open heart surgeries, and they move on, and something that they can fix quickly. Well, my heart was overworked, blood wasn't pumping the way it was supposed to, and I had to have open heart surgery at 37. And when the doc told me, like, "Hey, dude," he didn't say "dude," he was more professional, mm -hmm. but he said, "You know, um, we have to have open heart surgery." There was like this was like towards the end of April. 2017, I think I said, okay, yeah, no problem. You know, summertime, I got a lot of plans. Why don't we schedule it for September, October? He's like, I'm going on vacation next week. When I come back, you're having open heart surgery. Cause I don't think you'll make it that long. Wow. And that was like a root of what, like that was, I think I've received my first panic attack after finding that out. And it was just like, you know, lightheaded and heart starts beating really fast. Like, Oh, is this it? Am I dying at this point? You know. <laughs> I think that was something to overcome. And then the recovery period sucked too. How long did it take you to recover? It took me way faster than they said. Um, but they recommended, I think, was it six weeks? So I had it in May. And then July 4th weekend was, I remember when I could get on my, I actually tried to ride my motorcycle that weekend. Well, not much holds a Marine up. I don't think anyways, right? No, not much. <laughs> so you ended up ETSing out of the military and tell us about your business because this is gold, you guys. Oh, wow. So I got out and thanks for asking, Patty. I got out in um, 2006, like early school out. Um, and I got into selling copiers in Baltimore. I knew nothing about sales. I went to my, actually went to my commanding officer when I was getting out and I'm like, sir, what do I do? Like I've been the Marine since high school. I'm at this point, uh, I was 26 years old. I'm like, what am I supposed to do now? He's like, you know, Kay, they called me Kay. Cause just like, you nobody knew how to pronounce my last name. Mm -hmm. He said, with all the, with all the bullshit you've sold me through the years, you should get into sales. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I don't know what sales is, but I'll get into it. Uh, and I applied for, you know, just wherever there was sales, I applied and I got reached out to from every Aflac agency, I think in the country, <laughs> but <laughs> the military mindset is, you know, you get paid on first and 15th and this was a commission only position. And I didn't grasp the concept of commission only at that point. Mm -hmm. So I got, I got a job uh, selling copiers and really quickly got good at it. Ended up running a sales team for Xerox in Baltimore and growing that team, became a director of sales for a smaller company grew their company. So I had a real big knack for sales. And then I decided to start my own training, leadership training, coaching, sales training, coaching company. Uh, and I called it the goal guide, kind of guide you to your goals. The reason why I did that is I've, I saw the best leaders are ones who kind of take their people by the hand and guide them. Anybody can bark orders at people, right? And in the military, this is the one thing that Back then, I don't think they did that well. It was just like, hey, this is what needs to get done. Go do it. Where the, the good leaders are the ones that are like, hey, this is what needs to get done. Let me show you how to do it. Let me go do it with you. Let me make sure you know how to do it. Now you go do it. Right. And so that's the mentality I have uh, with starting my company. And whether you're an entrepreneur, a leader in a company, or a manager, I come in and I, I help coach you for success. Mm -hmm. You guys also what he can do <laughs> is on a personal level. Let me just say that um, it was the second time that I met Eric 
and I got to tell him the story. Okay. You guys, cause, um, <laughs> it still kind of cracks me up and I think, oh man, I shouldn't have done this. But, um, so the second time I met Eric, um, I asked him if we could meet outside in nature because I, I had met him already. My friend knew him. I knew he was okay. I wanted just to get out for a walk. I've been cooped up in the house too long. So I was like, we can have our meeting and go for a walk. And he shows up and he's in flip-flops and I'm like, come on, let's go. <laughs> Nobody told me there was going to be a walk. It was just meet me at a park. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And I felt really, I felt kind of bad, like after the fact, but I have to say, Eric, you were such a trooper because I took him down. Like, um, the trail wasn't that, I mean, it was a pretty good, nice trail and everything, but there was like water and everything back there. And maybe snakes, maybe alligators. And, um, he was such a trooper though, because I felt inside of me, I was like, gosh, you guys, I haven't, I really needed to get out of the house. And uh, those of you who know me know, I walk, I like to go on walks a lot and I like to be outside. So he was very gracious and going on a walk while we talked about business. And, um, once we went back, there was a sitting place. And we were talking more about business and things like that. And one of the things that mostly impressed me about you, Eric, is a lot of people who meet with me, they always want my resources, right? Which I understand and I have, and I give them freely. However, the thing that was different about Eric was he said, now, what can I do for you? I'm a consultant. I can be your life coach. What do you need? And to me, that was really, um, really touching actually, and important for me as a business owner, wanting to, um, partner with somebody, you know, you want it to be a two week, two way street where you're not just giving everything. So Eric, I really appreciate that you offered, you know, what can I do for you? What kind of mentorship do you need? Do you need, what do you need for your business? Where are you at with your business? Um, that is important. So if you're looking for a coach, a business uh, mindset coach, Eric is truly, truly amazing. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Patty. I, I heard John Maxwell say this um, and it just resonated with me. And maybe once I say it, it'll resonate with a bunch of you guys out there as well. He said, besides a very, very tiny, small exception, the rest of the world is all about somebody else. And it's shocking because so many of us just live in our own world, right? No matter what we do, uh, just just look at the conversations at the water cooler. Or look, look, pay attention to the conversations you're having with your friend. They'll come to you and they'll say something like, hey, what did you do this weekend? You say, I went to the movies. Well, they're not asking you because you they care about what you did. They want to tell you what they did. So the next thing that comes out is, oh, let me tell you about what I did this weekend. Or, hey you know, let me see a picture of your kid and you show them a picture. Oh, wait, let me show you a picture of my kids. And we have these conversations and they're meaningless and they, they don't go anywhere. Right. So what I learned in sales is just listen more, talk less, understand what the other person wants and help them get to where they want. And this, it landed me on this show and you have a very popular show with millions of listeners I didn't know I was going to land here. It wasn't my goal. I just genuinely want to help you. I think you're, I think what you do for the veteran community is amazing. I think what you're trying to do with helping people create a podcast and help them be as successful as you are in a podcasting world is just very generous. And it's only, I think like 47 bucks to join your um, challenge to create a podcast. That's like 
you can borrow that from your kids, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And well, that's the early bird special. It's still at, you know, it's like what? $99 altogether. If you, you know, so, um, two kids cover that two kids cover Mm -hmm. that fee easily. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, um, I, I just appreciate too, that a lot of people, if I said, Hey, we're going to have a business meeting. And by the way, we're going for a walk. Like once you get there, some people would have been maybe rude or not up for it, but you were just like, I can go, let's go. So, I mean, that actually meant a lot to me. So thank you. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't mind. Hey, listen, there's so I just go with the flow, you know, like, what am I going to, you wanted to go for a walk. Let's go for a walk. That was going to make your day better. Let's go. I did. Now <laughs> I'm going to have you on my show twice. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I'll have you on again. Um, yeah. So um, how can people get involved with you? How can they listen? You have an amazing podcast yourself. You're in the top first, you know, top of the podcast as well. And thank you. How can people get on your show or listen to your show or how do you how do you find your guests? Um, because I know I have a lot of people come to me. How can I be on your show? Tell us a little bit about that. I have a lot of people to do that as well. Um, my show is called Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Podcast. We just hit season two. Season one, I had a co-host, it was my good friend Harry Spate, and he ended up writing a book while we were doing the, the show. And I'm like, dude, you got to go start your own like sales kind of focused podcast. And he totally agreed. And I'm wishing him the best of luck. So I I held on to lead, sell, grow, and I'm going in a slightly separate direction, really focusing on that human experience. So I love connecting. I love hearing inspirational stories. Like we never know how a story is going to touch us. So just um, just last week for Thanksgiving, I was on vacation, went to see family in Maryland. And I saw this new gold, gold cast video uh, that featured Johnny Kim. Johnny Kim is the guy where I've seen the memes all the time. It's like this guy's a Navy SEAL, a doctor, and an astronaut. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. But then I saw that Jocko had, a, had an episode with him. It's a four-hour episode. And I listened to Johnny's story and it went from his dad almost killing him, smashing him in the head with a dumbbell, almost killing his mom, and then getting in a shootout with the police and dying while Johnny was like a teenager, growing up that way to like becoming a Navy SEAL corpsman and sniper, then deciding he wanted to go to Harvard Med School, then going to become an astronaut. Like now he's an astronaut. Um, just a story like that. Well, I mean, that's the definition of a human experience. And not everybody needs to go to those extremes, but I think like it affected me in such a way that when I got home, I said, I'm aiming too small and I'm a coach. Mm-hmm. I coach people for a living and I realized I was aiming too small. So I want to put more stories out like that. So if you have an amazing story that you think can affect somebody in a positive way, then, you know, you can, one of the best ways to reach out to me, actually, it's weird, but uh, LinkedIn, but on uh, Facebook, we have a group called Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Tribe. There's a page, but this is a group and it's the tribe. In there is a good place for us to connect, chat, send me a message. We can talk um, and we can go from there. Mm-hmm. Well, you have quite the human experience too. I mean, you just told our listeners about, you know, 
being Jewish in Russia and moving to America and um, going into the Marine Corps, which was not an easy task. And then um, being in sales and eventually finally owning your own business and really, really owning it too, by the way. Um, So you have a book out. Tell us about that quick. Yeah, the book is called B2B Sales Secrets. And it's really the process we did at Xerox um, to, you know, how do you how do you get mentally? The, it's three parts. Part one is how do you get mentally into the state of mind for selling? Because it's a lot that goes into being a salesperson, right? We got to get our own head trash out. Think about it this way: like our since we're born, we're we're told what, especially our generation, don't talk to strangers. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we're conditioned, we're programmed not to talk to strangers. You go get your first sales job or start become an entrepreneur. First thing you got to do is go talk to strangers. Mm-hmm. It goes against our core beliefs. So first thing is let's let's figure that out and get our head straight. Second is the whole process from networking, cold calling, LinkedIn, uh, first meeting, the questions to ask, closing the deal. And then the third and final um, ch- chapters, they're all about once you sold somebody, how many people have sold you something and you've never heard from them again? Yeah. Don't be that person, right? So it's like, I, I named that section, how to become a magnet for, for new business. And the way to become a magnet for new business is really taking amazing care of the customers you've sold. And I give some ideas to do that because once you take care of them, you never have to cold call again. You never have to prospect. They, people will prospect for you and share your business out. Right. And, and Eric is really genuine. Um, he is probably one of the most genuine people that I've met. Um, he, yeah, you really, really are. I mean, like I had mentioned, you know, he's, he is very flexible, um, and very generous and very caring. So those are important things when I try to partner with somebody or try to, um, you know, if I'm going to read a book, I want to know like the author, is he a, a good person? Or if not, I don't really want to read his book, you know, if it's just a bunch of fluff and fiction, but he's a man of his words. So that's important. Um, Eric, what is your website? It's uh, www.thegoal, like G-O-A-L, guide, G-U-I-D-E.com. Um, and we just had it redone and launched it. So the new site is up. And yeah, if you guys join the group, what I'm working on now, I th- what I'm realizing now after coaching business owners and coaching people is that people set goals the wrong way. Like the reason, if you've ever set a goal and, you know, it might've been your new year's resolution, I'm going to blank in this year, right? And then by March, you forgot that you've set the goal. One, you're not alone because that's like 90 plus percent of people. Mm-hmm. And two, it just shows that you haven't properly been taught how to become the type of person who achieves goals. And so I'm creating, um, I'm going to have a free call that I'm going to launch probably in the next two weeks. I'm doing the, having the landing page created now and getting some ideas, but it's just going to be like a two to three hour call where I teach people how to set and achieve their goals. And and the call is going to be free. I'm not charging for it. So join the group, um, send me a message if you're interested in that. So I can at least know who you are and I can send it to you once it's all ready to go. Um, but that, that call will 
change your life. I can guarantee you that. Mm-hmm. And if you want, you can post that information in my group too, so that everybody can see I appreciate it. it and it's directly from you. No problem. And, um, those of you who are listening again, you can go back into the show notes and you're going to be able to retrieve these links. And if you're watching, it's going to be on your screen. Um, so definitely reach out to Eric. If you have goals, if you own a business and you want to grow your business, if you are just somebody who's kind of searching for some advice or somebody who just, you want to talk to somebody that will listen and be there for you, then reach out to Eric. So Eric, thank you. That's so kind. Patty, is it okay if I give you, um, you tell me if I, if I give you a link to kind of my calendar to, Mm -hmm. I usually send that out specifically to people and it's like a 45 minute virtual call. But if this conversation resonated with with any of your listeners, I'm happy to give you that link to post if they want to schedule some time with me one-on-one like this. I'm happy to do it. Awesome. Yes, you guys. So be on the lookout for that. I'll be sure to put those in the show notes too. And um, I'll promote it um, during the week that this episode airs and after as well. So Eric, thank you for being on the show. Do you have anything else? Oh, thank you. Do you have anything else that you'd like to add before we wrap it up? Nice one. Thank your awesome listeners. And, and, you know, hopefully my story connected with you guys and I look forward to meeting you and chatting with you in the Facebook group. Thank you. Thank you. And everybody, thank you so much for tuning in and thank you to the sponsor of this week's show. It's building homes for heroes. If you go to buildinghomesforheroes.org, you can find out more information about that amazing veteran organization who gives homes to veterans who were wounded in combat or became ill in their time of service. So thank you all for listening and have an amazing rest of your weekend. Bye everybody. Thank you for listening to Wake Up with Patty Catter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. Follow Patty at Patty Catter on Facebook and Instagram. Get social. You can now watch Wake Up with Patty Catter on Amazon TV and Roku. It's the only podcast I listen to. Be sure to check out Patty's apparel line, The Patriotic Mermaid at thepatrioticmermaid.com and on social media at The Patriotic Mermaid. I love it.